Hello, friends, and welcome. I'm Fiora Lise. And this is Joe. And you are about to get into the goodness that is the Esoterics podcast. How you doing today, Joe? What's new? I am good today. Um, I am better. I have been struggling with this full moon. How about you? Have you had any trouble with it? I've just had more dreams, but not problems with it. No, no. What what are what are you struggling with? Um, you, you know, it's weird because it's like extra exhausting. Okay, so mm. I'm a Capricorn, and so letting things slide is really harder in this energy. <laughs> I found, um, like normally I can be like, yeah, I'm not gonna give that situation any or person or whatever any mm-hmm. power, like mm-hmm. right. But this Scorpio energy, it. <laughs> Okay, it has me plotting like savage clapback, you know, um, over dumb stuff like the lady in the grocery store taking the exact bag of carrots that I wanted. (laughs) Just stupid (laughs) shit. You know, and I'm like, prepare to die, lady. (laughs) You know, now that you mentioned that, I think I struggled with some stuff too. Yes, it's it is. It's it's I'm attributing it to Scorpio energy. Mm. Um, But. I mean, yeah, I am real. It's it's a huge internal struggle. So I'm struggling with it, and I'm trying to stay kind and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, it's just exhausting. So, yeah. uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, though. That's uh, all I'm all I got right now. Yeah, I know. I went a little keyboard warrior a few days ago. Um, you did. I did <laughs> on on the socials. Yeah, I did. It's because okay. There's that. There's this video of this woman that came out, and she's a teacher out here in Riverside, like nearby, and she's a math teacher. And then for some reason, she does. So she was recorded by a native student who was offended by like what what she was doing. She put on a fake headdress and was like dancing like a fake, you know, native dance around her room, and really obnoxiously. And apparently she's been at this thing for years. Anyway, like it's very offensive, but I was so like just distraught by like when I saw the post on Facebook and all the people that were defending her and then all the people that were just laughing about it. And I'm just like, and and so I'm in there, like I'm in the comments and I'm like, and then at some point I have to like step away and I'm like, are you actually going to change anybody's mind? Like, is there anything going to change? Like, are you just wasting your energy? And I really had to step myself back. Like, oh, but <laughs> let it go. Sometimes in the moment, it feels so good to be like, you know, say something or, or point something out. You yeah. know, it's like you're getting it off your chest, but you're right. You, you're never, ever. The internet is it's a cesspool. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. And honestly, after the retreat, um, I am going to take a social media break. I've decided I'm going to, you know, yeah. um, you know, ask um, Kathy to step up and moderate the group. Like I legitimately need to take a break from social media, just completely de, yeah. de- calcify <laughs> freaking face. I'm, I'm with you. I've, I, I deleted the Facebook app from my phone for a solid year. And even now, yeah. And even now that I have it back on my phone, I have the notifications are all turned off. So I I notice I don't go on there hardly at all. I maybe look at it once a day. Sometimes I forget about it for days at a time. So it's, it's better when, when you take a break, your relationship to it totally changes. 
it it really does. And, you know, I have all those pages that I have to admin, mm-hmm. you know, what Instagram and then, um, you know, the podcast and then the group and then my business page. So it, I have to get on there, but I also need to learn how to get on there, do what I need to do and then get off and don't, um, you know, engage mm-hmm. anything actually social. So there was a, um, and I, and I don't remember who, I don't remember the circumstances, but there was, um, I guess a coach, a business coach who gave a class on how to turn social media into like your, um, an altar to bring in the good and to interact with that. Um, and it was a class that took in, took place in the past or else I would have, you know, signed up and been like, what is that? Right. Um, so, um, but that sort of started me on this path of how do I change my mindset? So when I go on that social media sort of, you know, I don't know what you intention. Yeah. Yeah. To do some research Mm -hmm. and figure out how to change it um, to have a different relationship with it because yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, it is. All right. Um, you have, uh, announcements. I do. I just have one. Um, Akashic Tarot readings. Um, I am now booking those and they're a really great price. They're $75. That's my lowest price offering and service. And you guys, they're so much fun. Um, I love how your guides come through. They're so excited to share information with you to move you forward. So it's a really high vibe, fun um, reading. Um, these are so fun to do. I think I'm going to keep them on the services oh. menu. Um, yeah, for all, for the rest of the year or, um, or just permanently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that tarot reading is a great way to get clear on the path that you're being guided to go down based on what you learned in 2021. And so you get a lot of perspective on what all the retrogrades taught you and what challenges you were meant to master. And then um, after your guides, you know, put that all into perspective, then they tell you how to best use that knowledge and growth to move forward in 2022. Hmm. So that's kind of what makes it so fun. Um, and then here is something fun. I've added a bonus um, that if you book an Akashic Tarot reading before December 23rd, I will put your name in a drawing to win a free 90-minute Akashic Soul Blueprint reading. That's my biggest reading, and that covers everything. Um, we talk about karmic debt. You get a numerology core report. We talk about karma carried over from past lives, karmic lessons, past lives. Um, we get into, I'll give you a forecast that gives you a little bit insight into what energy you're going to most strongly experience in each calendar year for the next five years. And then just to make it even more fun, um, I'm in the middle of writing a new workbook of guided journal prompts that I'm going to launch um, sometime within the next couple of months. Um, it's in PDF format, so I'll include a copy of that along with a crystal recommendation that best works with your personal energy. So just putting all that fun together is going to be a fun giveaway. Wow. Yeah. And then if anybody's already had um, an Akashic Soul Blueprint reading, that's okay. We can we can do a spirit guide reading. So. Uh, yeah, so sign up for that to book one um, and just get entered into the drawing. Um, just visit my website, thewokakashic.com. Excellent. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited. It'll be fun. Uh, what are we going to talk about today? All right. Today we're going to learn about Samhain and the evolution of modern day Halloween. Oh, it's 
is going to be a good one. Yeah. Okay. School us on Samhain. Okay. All right. So Samhain is a pagan religious festival that originates from an ancient Celtic spiritual tradition. So the festival for has for centuries marked a liminal time of the year um, when the afterlife and the daily life on earth overlap. During this transitional period, it's believed that spirits and the living can intermingle. And the name of this Celtic holiday originates from the old Irish words Samhain, which means summer's end. And I'm probably said that super wrong. I'm sorry, don't have any Irish ancestry. <laughs> it's, it's a hard word, you guys. <laughs> but it's it's pronounced sound. But anyway, so it it originates from from that meaning summer's end. So it actually refers to the month that we now call November. All right. So the people who celebrated this believed that the barrier between the physical world and the spirit world would break down during Samhain. And this would allow for more interaction between humans and inhabitants of the other worlds. So you're already seeing the parallels versus what we talked about last week with Day of the Dead. Like it's mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. the same same beliefs. And mm-hmm. so if you were a Celt in the Middle Ages, you would have likely been required to participate in the holiday festivities. If you didn't show yourself to the local king or chieftain during the three-day festivities, the gods might punish you with illness or death. Uh-oh. So it's like, it's you got to show up. Requirement. <laughs> show up or show out. The ancient Celts all thought of the year as two halves, light and dark. As the dark half of the year began in November, they believed that the world of gods and spirits became visible to mankind. But this could also lead to trouble for the living. So yeah, this is where the other traditions come in. So with those lines blurred between the living and those who'd passed, people believed that they needed to take special protective measures to avoid harm. So first, they prepared offerings, and those were left outside of their villages in the fields, and those were uh, for fairies or for eshes. Eshes. Yeah, eshes. I think. Okay. Honestly, these uh, words are like, they're not, my um, school learning of sounded out does not function for any of <laughs> Your book learning has failed you. These are hard words, though. Uh, can I just say, too, that I love the um, the act of leaving um, stuff for the fairies? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. my I have a friend, my friend Grace, and she does this, and she was telling me about that they love milk and, like, all the little special things she does for them. It's really sweet. Oh. Yeah. Um, okay. So it was expected that ancestors might cross over during this time as well, and the Celts would dress as animals and monsters so that fairies were not tempted to kidnap them. <laughs> they want none of it. Yeah. So some specific monsters that were associated with the mythology surrounded Samhain including, included a shape-shifting creature called a puka that receives mm-hmm. harvest offerings from the field. And then there's the Lady Gwyn, who is a headless woman dressed in white who chases night wanderers and was accompanied by a black pig. That that's random. Why didn't she have a head? Don't know. We don't know. And 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 the bigger question: Why why a black pig? <laughs> this is I don't know. Is it like yin 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 like the light and the dark? I don't know. The uh, Dulahan. I'm probably not saying that right. Sometimes <laughs> appeared as impish creatures, sometimes headless men on horses who carried their heads, riding flame-eyed horses. Their appearance was a death <laughs> omen to anyone who encountered them. Oh, that's 
Don't want to see that. No, it's scary. No. A, a group of hunters known as the Fairy Host might also haunt Samhain and kidnap people. Similar to the sloth who would come from the west to enter houses and steal souls. They're just mm. full of scary things. Jesus. It really is. So all of these things are things that could potentially happen when the dark half of the of the world is upon us. Mm-hmm. And, these and, were all okay. the monsters that they believe would come oh, out yeah. during Samhain. These were terrible monsters. <laughs> they didn't fuck around. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. Okay. So the other the other traditions that were involved with this were so primarily were bonfires. So the bonfires were the central ritual of Samhain. In ancient in ancient times, Samhain celebrants and the druid priests lit bon- large bonfires on the hilltops because the fire imitates the powers of the sun. The Celts mm-hmm. believed it would help hold back the darkness and decay of winter. In turn, their crops would thrive and return after the cold winter months stronger than ever. Participants often took a flame from the bonfire back to their own homes to light their hearts. And other rituals and traditions of Samhain would usually take place around the ceremonial bonfire. Uh, Yeah, I read something about any flame that they took from that fire, actually, they wanted to protect it so that it didn't go out for the entire season mm. um, because it, it that was how it protected them and kept them warm and fed and all those things. And don't we still do that with like the Olympic torch? I think so. I, I really don't know, but I'm going to sound like I do. Yeah, for sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I don't know fucking clue. I'm terrible American. <laughs> all right. So you know, one of the other things that happened during Samhain was sacrifice. One of the traditions that took place by the light of the bonfire was ritual sacrifice. Communities often sacrificed cattle or crops to show their dedication to the gods and to broker protection from evil spirits. Burning the crops and cattle in the bonfire was a way to protect the community. And that was important because otherworldly beings with ill intentions could easily cross over into the world of the living during this time. You ever wonder if during times of famine, they were like, damn, if only we hadn't burned that crop. Right. Or, yeah, or maybe or we should have saved that cow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I <don't> get it. <clears throat> I know we talked, we touched on this last week when we were talking about the Aztecs and their blood sacrifice rituals too, right? Yeah. I noticed with these articles, they don't call it blood sacrifice. No. But that is a blood sacrifice when you're killing a a cow. Yeah. I just Mm -hmm. thought it was interesting that, Mm -hmm. like, why is it automatically called a blood sacrifice when you're talking about the Aztecs, but over here? And also, just putting it out there, the fact that we technically are, like, still do this. Like, think of 4th of July. What do you do when you're 4th of July? You barbecue stuff. Yeah, like just because oh, you didn't make sense. Just because you didn't actually kill the cow, I mean, you're still eating the cow, like you know. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, my legs are tangling with that. Like, <laughs> like seriously, like some big insight. Yeah. Well, now listen, barbecue is delicious. Yeah, but but we do this in so many different ways. I mean, oh. Thanksgiving, there's a turkey. Like mm-hmm. you know, there's different times of the year. Christmas, there's, there's a ham. Yeah. Easter, there's a ham. There's a ham. There's your sacrifice. Just saying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. And then tricks. So a Samhain tradition that crossed over to the modern era is the lighthearted practice of playing tricks on one another. Spirits were thought to cross over from the other world to the world of the living. So they were expected to play tricks. So Mm -hmm. as a result, many community members, often children and young adults, took the opportunity to prank their neighbors and then just blame the events on the other worldly beings. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I didn't do it. It's a good time to fuck with your neighbor. It was probably your right. grandma. Right. It was probably your dead or, grandma. Or it, the, or it was the other neighbor. <laughs> create conflict. So another thing that they did was called mummying. In addition to dressing up, known as guising back then, people often went from house to house requesting donations of food in exchange for songs or the recitation of verses. We can recognize this practice, mummying, as similar to the Halloween tradition of trick-or-treating, as well as the Christian's ritual of caroling. Oh, mumming, M-U-M-M-I-N-G. Mumming. Mumming, which has nothing to do with a mummy, which when I first saw that, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. But no. Mumming. So Mm -hmm. usually the costume parties would comprise usually of young people, and they would go farm to farm. The householders who donated the food could expect good luck and fortune throughout the winter, while those who refused could expect bad things to come. Mm -hmm. Treat tricks. Don't turn them away. Mm -mm. (laughs) And then there were games. Samhain celebrations weren't all about death and appeasing the spirits. Some activities were just for fun and to show thanks for a plentiful harvest. So one of these games may be familiar with for you if you've ever been to a Halloween party. This is apple bobbing. For the game of apple bobbing, participants would duck their heads underwater and attempt to retrieve as many apples with their teeth as they could. Other games involve hiding items in food and offering food to animals. The results, which item you found in your cake or how many animals ate your offering, could offer facts about your future. Oh, see? And later on, I'll talk about apple bobbing and, uh, and how all of that sort of has turned into a, um, how it turned into a, I don't know, we'll call it an Americanized version of uh-huh. what it is. So this leads us into the another tradition, which was fortune telling. So some Druids believed that the liminal quality of Samhain lent itself to telling the future. So with so many spirits around, they could more easily make predictions about what was to come. So around the Samhain bonfire, Celtic priests often offered fortune-telling sessions to interested attendees and to the community as a whole. Cool. That's interesting that a priest mm-hmm. would do that. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I feel like you'd be told by a priest today that that's some sort of devil's work. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, we will find out when it turned into devil's work. <laughs> All right. So there's also this ritual known as dumb supper. Let's, yeah. let's get into that. <laughs> Which I'm like, is this just when you have dinner with your crazy uncle? <laughs> I know, really. <laughs> Talks dumb about supper. conspiracy theories the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> Uh, so this would mean when families would open their windows and doors and to allow ancestral spirits to enter the home. The family would prepare a meal and they would wait until they'd invited their deceased relatives to enjoy the dinner first. Over dinner, the family would converse with the spirits, telling them about everything that had happened over the previous year. Children would entertain the dead with games and songs until the spirits finally left after dinner. I want to know how you know that they're gone. They just mm-hmm. leave after dinner's over. Mm-hmm. You can't trust a spirit. Nah, not like, a, All right, uncle. not a harvest spirit. All right, mm-hmm. dead uncle Joe, you gotta go now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he's not. Yeah, and then lastly, there were costumes. So again, this is a tra- tradition that has been moved into what we have in modern day of Halloween. So this is the practice of dressing up and donning costumes and masks. So most. Uh, people during Samhain would dress up as animals, monsters, and beasts in, a, in an attempt to fool the otherworldly spirits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
All right. So then I'm just going to transition into what eventually uh, would become Christian Samhain. So as Christianity tried to gain a foothold in pagan communities, church leaders attempted to reframe Samhain as a Christian celebration. The first attempt was by Pope Boniface in the 5th century. He moved the celebration to May 13th and specified it as a date celebrating spirits or celebrating saints and martyrs. The fire festivals of October and November, however, did not end with his decree. In the 19th century, Pope Gregory moved the celebration back to the time of fire festival, but declared it All Saints Day on November 1st and All Souls Day on November 2nd. Hmm. So that's how Very that happened. Cool. That's the guy All you right. can thank for All Saints Day and All Souls Day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then eventually, Samhain would merge with Halloween. So neither the new holiday did away with the pagan aspects of the celebration. October 31st became known as All Hallows Eve or Halloween and contained much of the traditional pagan practices before being adopted in 19th century America through Irish immigrants bringing their traditions across the ocean. Trick-or-treating is said to have been derived from ancient Irish and Scottish practices in the nights leading up to Samhain. In Ireland, mumming was the practice of putting on costumes, going door-to-door, and singing songs to the dead. Cakes were given as payment. That's fun. Yeah. Cakes. I want want more, but we'll... Cupcakes. Mm -hmm. Oh, cupcakes. I can do cupcakes. Yeah, cupcakes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and... Halloween pranks have also have a tradition in Samhain, though in ancient celebration, tricks were typically blamed on fairies. Modern... Right, I don't care for that. No, don't do that. No, I mean, the fairies are tricksters, mm-hmm. so we'll, right, but everybody always wants to blame the fairies. Yeah. First they honor them, then they blame them. What is it? Fairies, what is it? No wonder. Ancient peoples. Fairies get mad. <laughs> No wonder they got a problem with you if you screw with them. So (laughs) modern day Samhain celebrations are, of course, quite different from those of the past. So Mm -hmm. but if you want to pay homage to the ancient Celtic people or honor pagan practices, here are a few ways to celebrate Samhain today. Okay. Okay. So first, just you can just participate in Halloween, whatever that means for you. Handing out candy, getting dressed up, going Mm -hmm. out, trick or treating, whatever. But mm-hmm. participating in Halloween is is a, a best the one of the easiest ways I would say to celebrate that one, which is why I feel like a lot of people who are um like I don't know conservative Christian or whatever mm-hmm. or like hardcore Christian are like no mm-hmm. we're not doing Halloween, um, mm-hmm. and then also two Jehovah's Witnesses who are like no because it's, yeah. it's got it's pagan it's I mean clearly has its pagan or, origins sure. so they don't participate in anything. Um, yeah. Did you see the meme that you you saw the meme that I posted on my um, personal timeline about um, Satan's Day? How that guy was like, "You need we don't participate in Satan's Day. Oh you need to find God. Jesus." Oh oh <laughs> he called trick or treaters. This is my favorite part. He called trick or treaters freeloaders. It's like how are, it's it's a five year old trick or treating. How are they freeloaders? That was my quit, that was my favorite meme. Quit shitting on children's joy. Okay. <laughs> It was so rude. ridiculous. 
is another way to celebrate Samhain is to get into nature because a major that. part of Samhain is getting in tune with nature and how the natural world affects your life. For the ancient Celts, it was a time to prepare for the cold winter months and bring an end to harvest season. For modern celebrants who buy produce at the grocery store rather than growing it for themselves, it may be more difficult to connect with the transition of lightness of summer to, um, to darkness of winter. Right. So you can get more attuned with nature by going for a hike or bringing the natural world into your home. Decorate with autumn foliage and produce like squash pumpkins and colorful far wreaths. Also, a lot of you, people go apple picking too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or to apple orchards mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know cider mills and stuff. Yep. Do you uh, carve pumpkins? I do. But I have yes. a problem right now because I bought these two very large pumpkins for like eight bucks at Costco I never Mm -hmm. have a problem with buying stuff at Costco and I was like Mm -hmm. we're gonna save so much money because now we don't have to go to the pumpkin patch because that's so expensive because now you know it's like this whole thing now it's like a mini it's like a carnival to go to the pumpkin patch yeah and it's it is right it's expensive like I just want a pumpkin but no now my kid wants to go and you know do games and rides and shit and like hundred dollars later so I'm over here like I'm gonna save money and I'm gonna buy these pumpkins they rotted in like a week and a half, maybe two weeks max. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Squash is not supposed to go bad that quickly. They no, were I've selling us. They sold us Old shit pumpkins. from last year. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Old pumpkins. So I was going to get one a couple weeks ago and I'm like, nah, you know, it's too soon. Cause <laughs> when you, when you carve them, then their little mouths start to cave oh, in yes. like they have no teeth, mm-hmm. <laughs> like old people with no dentures. <laughs> and, um, and I thought, you know, no, so I'm going to wait. Well, typically then like I decide to get one like the day before. <laughs> <laughs> and, then and then it's limb picking. <laughs> it's like, right. So I don't know. I like it for the pumpkin seeds. That's really why I like the pumpkins. What I want to do with my kids this year is maybe do, um, uh, uh, build a little haunted house, like a gingerbread house, but like a haunted oh, house. Cute. I think yes. I I want to do that. So yeah, that's probably what All we'll right. do. All right. Another way to uh, participate in Samhain is to attend a fire ceremony. This is actually what we did, um, in last year in 2020 because you know we didn't go trick or treating, we didn't go out, we just did a bonfire in the backyard. So oh, nice. The holiday of Samhain has seen a large revival since the 1980s with the growing popularity of Wicca. And if you join others who appreciate the rituals and traditions of Samhain, you might be able to find a pagan fire festival in your area. A modern fire festival usually features a bonfire as well as a communion with the dead. And they might also involve a dancer or a witch's ball. That would actually really be really cool. Um, The only one I heard of is a bunch of women that are in the woods naked. And I'm I'm just not down for that. I mean, that's great for them. Good for you, but I don't like No, (laughs) I I need my clothes on to celebrate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can also Around the fire definitely. Also like I said, you can have your own bonfire at home. Nothing yeah. nothing wrong with that as long as uh-uh. as long as check with your local local fire restrictions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't burn your house down. All right. Uh, another thing you can do is you can make an offering since animal sacrifice is frowned upon in modern cultures. <laughs> Although is it though frowned because upon. There's still slaughterhouses. Barbecue. Yeah. Um, You can still give an offering to the spirits and fairies from the other world to honor the rituals of Samhain. You can leave a simple offering of food and drink outside your door for the nature spirits to enjoy in the night of Samhain. 
I love that. And Apple might be make a good choice for your offering since apples have a strong association with the other world and Celtic tradition. They do, and we'll talk about that. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And the last thing you can do is, I would say last, but definitely not least. No. Samhain also has close ties to death. So it falls at the end of the harvest season when the fields begin to freeze. For the ancient people who celebrated Samhain, the holiday was a time when their deceased ancestors could literally walk amongst the living. Or yeah. obviously that's what they believed. So yeah. even if you don't like that to be true, Samhain is a good opportunity to gather photographs or other memories of your loved ones. You can honor them by lighting candles and saying a few words of thanks or taking a moment of silence. Ah, you can do a little altar work mm-hmm. there, altar ancestral, ancestral veneration. Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. I love learning about Samhain. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting how there's so mm-hmm. many pieces of this that we already do. And- right. <laughs> we already do them, so... All right. Well, let's sort. Let's talk about the history of Halloween traditions and how they've sort of evolved into modern day. Okay. All right. So we just learned um, that All Hallows Eve or Halloween is, as it's known now, is it originated with the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. Um, but how did this sort of age-old saint honoring time of year evolve, or as some might believe devolve, mm-hmm. um, into a day of collecting candy and carving pumpkins? Mm-hmm. So early American celebrations um, of Halloween were limited due to religious belief systems mm-hmm. that were, to say the least, rigid, sure. right? You know, sure. the Puritans and all of that. Mm-hmm. But as the customs of more and more um, arriving immigrants became sort of enmeshed, a new version of Halloween began to emerge. So the first celebrations were very public events. Um, They were held to celebrate the harvest. Neighbors would share stories of the dead or their ancestors. They would tell each other's fortunes. Um, They would dance and sing and make merry. Um, But by the mid-1800s, Americans were holding annual autumn festivals that or festivities that celebrated Halloween as a holiday that was focused on get-togethers okay so religion it still had its sort of European roots Mm -hmm. but it had morphed into a celebration okay together all of that um that would people would throw parties they would offer games and seasonal foods and they would dress up in those festive costumes um parents were encouraged by church leaders <laughs> to take anything frightening out of halloween celebrations right so that's okay. when christianity in america sort of started to push and influence and uh-huh. you know all of that yeah All right. So by the 1930s, Halloween had morphed into a really community centered holiday with parades and citywide Halloween parties. Oh, cool. Right. So it's not necessarily a bad thing because Halloween is fun. And, you know, like even the movie Hocus Pocus sort of um, it it, um, centers around, you know, this big citywide Halloween party where all the adults are there. Um, So now the practice of trick or treating. That, as Fiora talked about, originated with the Celtic custom of giving bits of the harvest to spirits that were wandering um, around on the evening of Samhain. 
And these offerings were to placate and prevent them from doing destructive things <laughs> to the harvest or the home. Like these spirits, I don't know why they would want to de destroy things on their one night of freedom. But, um, that's what the, the history and the lore says. So when the modern custom of trick-or-treating started in america it was about the 30s okay um children were given everything from um homemade cookies and pieces of cake like we talked about uh -huh. earlier um they were given nuts and coins and toys okay you know um just pretty much everything all right but in the 50s that's when the candy manufacturers were like all right we're missing out yeah um <laughs> Yep. And so they decided, I'm going to get in on the act. And they began promoting their products for Halloween specifically. Okay. So that's really when trick-or-treating became more popular because candy was an affordable, convenient offering. And by then, Halloween had become a holiday that was more directly, it was directed mainly at the young, right? Um, Trick-or-treating was um, an easy way for a community to join in a holiday celebration. Mm -hmm. Even me, it's like, you know, I'll decorate some years this year. I'm not decorating. I, I love to decorate for Christmas and Halloween and all the other holidays, mm -hmm. but I don't like to take stuff down. Right. So I typically, <laughs> I don't, right? Yes. Um, but even me, I'm like, all right, well. I'll have a bowl of candy by the door. Yeah. And if I don't get any trick-or-treaters, win-win, because then I get the candy. candy. <laughs> <laughs> I get to keep the candy. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So in the 70s, wrapped factory-made candy was viewed as really the only acceptable thing to <laughs> hand out, right? Um, there were no more nuts and coins and cakes and toys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which, you know, that's... That's a good thing. That's probably pretty messy. <laughs> it, it, well, yeah, you know, and, um, you know, a key reason was because of safety. Parents became really fearful that candy that wasn't store-bought and sealed could have easily been tampered. Mm -hmm. All right, now, th there's a reason for that. So let's talk about some of that bad candy situation. Okay. Um, when researchers conducted a study on crimes that were specifically committed using tampered with Halloween treats, they concluded that that threat is greatly overstated. Mm -hmm. Okay, which is good. That's good to know. Um, most of the cases that were analyzed were either exaggerated or could not be directly linked to the holiday of Halloween. <laughs> Um, researchers also suggested that fears rise during fearful times, uh, like now. Right. And, for example, paranoia about tainted candy sort of spiked in the early 80s after a rash of Tylenol poisonings um, in which cyanide-laced acetaminophen was placed on the store, store shelves and sold. Yes, I remember that. Yep. I remember the story. I too. Uh, I was in like middle school, I think middle school, high school, maybe. I think it was middle school. Mm -hmm. um, maybe high school. But anyway, I remember just being like my parents were like, you know, no Tylenol. Mm -hmm. So rumors of randomly distributed poison candy or threats like apples that contained razor blades, um, researchers say are really nothing more than urban legend. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So for instance... For example, a seven-year-old California girl collapsed while trick-or-treating in 1990. Um, Santa Monica police, they confiscated all of the kids' candy. Mm -hmm. However, her illness was later discovered to be caused by a heart murmur. Oh, poor little girl. Aww. And when examined, she showed no sign of poisoning. Okay. okay. So 
my question is, is were the kids like gave back my candy? Fuckers. Because <laughs> they took all the kids' candy. That's fucked up. I know. Right? I mean, but, you know, you got to be cautious, I guess. Yeah, you got to be safe. Yeah. In Detroit, um, a five-year-old little boy died on Halloween after consuming heroin. <laughs> okay. And you're like, wait a minute. How does this tie in? Mm-hmm. So early media reports of his death cited his uncle's claim that he had been exposed to the drug and tainted holiday treats. Bullshit. Um, right? All <laughs> bullshit. But further reporting showed that the child had, in fact, found the heroin at his uncle's house, not in his bag of Halloween candy, as investigators had first been told. A five-year-old mm. little boy. Oh. Poor little buddy. So there are some... Um, there are some instances where, you know, it, they said, oh, you know, it's Halloween poisoning, but it really turned out to be right. not. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, however, as most urban legends are based in a nugget of truth, mm-hmm. um, while some fears may be inflated, their Halloween crimes involving poison actually have occurred. Okay. All right. So in 1964, a New York woman named Helen Feel. She was arrested for handing out things like ant poison and dog biscuits to kids. What the fuck is wrong with you? I it, when it, this is what's wrong with her. When questioned, she said she was just joking. Bitch. <laughs> she gave the items to the kids that she felt were too old to be trick or treat. <sighs> Judgy bitch. Judgy bitch. Um, and though no children were poisoned during the incident, law enforcement didn't find her actions funny. I have never, ever, ever cared about the age of the trick-or-treater. Number one, if it's older kids, they're not out causing trouble. Exactly. They're just having fun. Who cares? You know, even now, I'll go trick-or-treating. Hell yes, and get a big old thing of candy. Um, So I just don't see why it matters. But we'll talk about more about that because it's... I see people trick-or-treating with their dogs. Like, they don't have kids and they just take their dog and let them. Yes, and and and, and then you know I would what? appreciate Helen's dog biscuits. <laughs> Alice would be like, "Thank you, thank you." My baby would love it. Um, but the most infamous Halloween poisoning took place in 1974 when a Texas man named Ronald O'Brien he gave cyanide-laced pixie sticks to five children, including his son. Oh, I remember this story. The other children never ate candy, but his eight-year-old son, Timothy, did, and Timothy died. What a piece of shit. I mean, piece of shit. And so, though nobody saw O'Brien put the cyanide in the candy, investigators learned that he had recently taken life insurance policies out yeah. on his children. Yeah. Uh, it, it, all right. It, this he this was sort of labeled the Candyman murder, mm-hmm. and he was convicted and executed. Thank uh, you, mm-hmm. um, thank you, Texas. Right, the one, <laughs> the one good thing Texas did um, via lethal injection in '84. So it took like ten years. He was on death row. Yeah. I think you know he deserved it. Yeah. Um, all right. Now here's what his douchebag attorney said. My client was convicted, but regardless of how horrific the crime, it was no random act of Halloween havoc since it was aimed directly at his children and their friends, not at trick-or-treaters. I, I, mm. that, that, none of that is, it helps yeah, it in doesn't. any way. It doesn't explain anything or justify anything. It just makes it, I mean, it just, I don't know. That's Right, I mean, he, he, he intentionally poisoned his children. You know, that's a crazy man. Yeah. All right. All 
right. Well, that's as uplifting as that is. <laughs> <laughs> so bad candy, right? I mean, you, you, your kid gets home. It's just common sense to put all of the candy out on the table. Yeah. Just give it a visual inspection. Yeah. Um, snag the pieces that you want when the kid's not looking. Right. You got to get those Snickers. This one's out of poisoned, there. so and I'm going to take it yeah. in my room. Oh, there's a there's some razor blade. No, don't tell you that. But, <laughs> hey, ooh, no. this one's opened. Sorry. This one's sorry. This one's not mm-hmm. good. All right. And then go smoke a bowl and. Um, <laughs> throw down on candy (laughs) i used to love um the uh what's his name's pranks not johnny knoxville not john not jimmy fallon what's his name the other late night guy now oh uh, conan um, no not conan jay leno um um, Arsenio Hall, Johnny Carson. Um, <laughs> no. I'm gonna go through all of them. Who who am I missing? Um, Jimmy, not Jimmy Fallon. Um, who is he? The Saturday Night Live guy. Um, Jimmy Kimmel. Okay, Jimmy Kimmel. Okay, Jesus he's a good one. Christ. Yes, Jimmy Kimmel's. Um, I told my kids I ate all their Halloween candy videos. It, Have you seen those? It, oh, he. Oh yes, and the, the kids pranks. cry. Yes. The kids. Oh my god! It's, it's just it's an emotional roller coaster to watch those things. <laughs> like some kids it. get so pissed, and they're like, "I hate you," <laughs> and other ones are like, "It's okay." Oh, like, <laughs> right. And I don't have kids, so for me, it's all amusing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's talk about some origins of Halloween. Um, the Romans celebrated two festivals around the same time, Feralia, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, mm. and Pomona. Oh, Feralia was dedicated to dead ancestors, and it's all tying together with Samhain and Day of the Dead and all that stuff, while Pomona the Latin word for orchard fruit was more like a harvest festival. It is believed that Pomona gave us the tradition of bobbing for apples, and whoever successfully bit an apple out would supposedly be the next to marry. Oh, that's so interesting. We have a city named Pomona over here. Yes. Yeah, it's yes. the last city um, in or in L.A. County. Like when cool. you get head out east, it's and it used to be orchards. I'm sure, like it was all farming areas. Oh before. yeah, yeah, so yeah. That makes yes, sense. interesting. Yep. Um, a lot of things we're about to talk about have to do with um, helping women figure out who they were going to marry. I oh, <laughs> we yeah, we'll we'll get into that. And um, you know, the feminist in me is like, <laughs> all right. Um, the next fun origin is the jack-o'-lantern and that originates from the act of placing a candle inside a hollowed out vegetable so it didn't necessarily need to be a pumpkin um it could have been a squash or whatever Mm -hmm. the candle represented the good magic of the sun and the vegetable represented the harvest okay and so this was done in the hopes that good magic will help preserve the harvested food through the dark half of the year that you referenced earlier um, until the next growing season could replenish their food stores because they would, you know, have these underground cellars where they would put their food in the mm-hmm. hopes that it didn't rot. Okay. Okay. All right. So the jack-o'-lantern. Superstition causes us to avoid crossing paths with black cats afraid that they might bring us bad luck mm-hmm. i love black kitties <laughs> black cats and dogs are the least um adopted in um i guess oh. we'll just say yeah 
and so they really need to be given special. My next dog is a black one. This idea had its roots in the Middle Ages when many people believed that witches avoided detection by shape-shifting into black cats. Which, maybe they weren't wrong. I mean, right, and also I'm going to say that's badass. Yeah, actually. You know, I'm down for that one. And then we talked earlier about the origin of trick-or-treating. Both, I talked about it a little bit earlier, Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. uh, so did uh, Fiora, so... All right. Now, there are also some obsolete Halloween traditions that have been forgotten with good reason. (laughs) And honestly, I'm glad because they all focus on advising a woman how to identify her future husband, which is bullshit (laughs) on all counts. But don't let me digress. (laughs) Because honestly, I cannot roll my fucking eyes hard at (laughs) But they are amusing and some of them are kind of cute. So we're going to get into them. So in 18th century Ireland, a matchmaking cook might bury a ring in her mashed potatoes on Halloween night, hoping to bring true love to the diner who found it. Oh, uh, gross. Okay, but kind of cute, but also gross. Like, I'd totally be all like Karen-y. Like, I want to see the manager. <laughs> ring in my mashed potatoes. What the fuck? Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, it's gross. Uh, in Scotland, um, those fortune tellers are back, um, uh-huh. and they recommended that an eligible young woman name a hazelnut for each of her suitors and then toss the nuts into the fireplace. The nut that burned to ashes rather than popping or exploding represented the girl's future husband. Oh. And then in other versions, the opposite was true, that the nut that burned away symbolized a love that wouldn't last. So, oh. you know. Kind of cute. If you ask me, it's a waste of nuts. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Those nuts might be delicious. Um, all right. Another custom recommended that a young woman eat a sugary concoction of walnuts, hazelnuts. Again, I don't know what the deal is with hazelnuts and nutmeg. I mean, walnuts, delicious. hazelnuts, and nutmeg mm-hmm. before bed on Halloween night in order to dream about her future husband. Oh, again, sus. The sus. <laughs> indigestion i don't know. so <laughs> a little like i said <laughs> they're cute but ugh, this is all <laughs> telling a woman that she needs to have a husband in order to be valued <laughs> <laughs> all right yet another uh, tradition found women tossing apple peels over their shoulders hoping that the peels would fall on the floor in the shape of their future husband's initials. Oh, okay. I want to know how often that worked. I know, right? I mean, that's something that you can actually try now. Toss it over your shoulder and see if it falls in the shapes of your current husband's initials too. Hmm. Interesting. Um, And then lastly, others um, tried to learn about their future or women or people tried to learn about their future by standing in front of mirrors in darkened rooms, holding candles and looking over their shoulders for their husband's faces. Okay. Yeah. And that actually still has some, um, well, there is a, like a spiritual practice. Um, I believe it's called mirroring where you, I don't think mirror work, but I know I've mirror heard work. of mirror work, uh-huh. Yes, where you can actually see. Um, but this is about seeing past lives, seeing who you were in the yes. past. And, um, and I tried it one time, and it got really weird. And so I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do that. But it, it's it's a cool hmm. modality or, you know, whatever. 
All right. So those are some of the um, origins, the current current practices, you know, some that have died out and some are that's still going um, from ancient sort of, um, well, origins. Yeah. All right. So Halloween fun facts. Let's talk about Halloween because there are some things that I was like, what? This is insane. All right. So today, Americans spend an estimated $6 billion a year on Halloween. Oh, shit. It is the country's second largest commercial holiday after Christmas. Okay. Six billion. Would you ever guess that? No, never. No. Mm-mm, there's no never. way. According to the National Retail Federation's 2019 report, Halloween partygoers spend an average of about 86 bucks. That makes the total estimate about $8.8 billion for the holiday overall. So those two... Um, um, facts sort of dispute each other. Is it six billion or is it eight point eight billion? The point is, <laughs> it's in the billions. Yeah, yeah. And I recently learned about the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire. Oh my god, isn't that crazy? Yeah, a thousand yep. millions. A thousand millions. Yeah, yeah. it like it's that is crazy that if you are a millionaire, you're much closer to being in poverty than you are to being a billionaire. Yep. And so I recently read something that if Bezos buys a house worth 1.68 million, it is like a drop in the it, it doesn't even oh. register. It's nothing to yeah. him. Yeah, it's nothing. It's just don't even get me don't started. Need, let's not get Amazon. started on that. Ooh, but I do love me some Amazon. Oh my god, I love Amazon. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Um, okay, here's something fun. More people are buying costumes for their pets. Americans spent $490 million on costumes oh, for their pets in 2019, more than double what they spent in nine years earlier in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the most popular pet costumes are pumpkins hot dogs which I think is so cute superheroes being they have the capes which i love and bumblebees that's my favorite one the bumblebee i want to yeah. see hollis as a fat bumblebee <laughs> well, he'd be so mad he'd be like get this chump change off me <laughs> do you dress your dogs up for halloween i'm super guilty yes oh my god what yes. do you dress them up as well cuz honey lets me like dress her she lets me like right now she's wearing a sweater she's not in here right now but she's wearing a sweater right now she doesn't care she will she wears clothes she wears dresses like she 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 knows she looks she's, cute and she's like all happy about it she's and, like i am fabulous yeah and then ruby you put some you put clothes on her and you might as well have just whipped her because she's just like Aww. looking at you with the saddest face like why are you punishing me so yeah um i've I, I don't think I've ever actually dressed actually dressed up these dogs. I usually just put like pajamas on them and make them look stupid. But right. um my Which is your right. I, I had their mom. Yeah, my Pomeranian, I used to dress him up as a vampire. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> that would be funny. Did he have a little cape? Yeah, it was a cute little it was like a little thing that went around his shoulders and then it was like a headband thing, if I remember correctly, and it gave him mm-hmm. eyeballs. It was funny. It was yeah, but it was a vampire costume. I don't dress Hollis up be- just because he's he's big and, uh-huh. and you know those costumes are typically about you know fifty bucks and I'm like oh yes <laughs> yeah they you know. are they're big yeah they're expensive when they're but what you have to do and this is what I do is after Halloween is over go to PetSmart uh, yes. and get them on sale for the next year. I am the worst about 
post-holiday sales, like <laughs> oh, really? at none of the holidays. Online. Although I did buy him a quilted vest um, when oh. we first moved here, mm-hmm. and he looks so handsome and dashing in it, Aww. but he hates it, and he like he like tries to walk he walks weird until he gets used to it and so it's really more for my amusement my dogs won't go outside when it's raining so i bought them raincoats and i did it mostly to ruby because ruby's the worst about rain and i put it i put the raincoat on her and then i stuck her outside and she just she would not move she just stood there and just like what is this and no, she was not about it. Ruby doesn't. She doesn't care to participate in any of that. No, she doesn't care. Okay. One quarter of all of the candy sold annually in the U.S. is purchased for Halloween. Mm, I've heard this bef- that one before. I've heard of that fact mm-hmm. before. One quarter. Okay. So the number one most hated candy of 2021 this oh, year. I was okay. actually surprised that this is what they, um, according to candystore.com, mm-hmm. drum roll is, what do you think it is? Number one oh, most hated candy. candy. Those peanuts? Those it, marshmallow peanut things? No, no, it's candy corn. And I oh. personally despise candy corn. <laughs> now, despite being one of the most hated candies since its invention in mm-hmm. 1898, today, <laughs> nearly 35 million pounds is produced each year. Who eats this? I like so candy gross. corn. I like oh. it with nuts. <laughs> like, like a trail mix. I don't really care for it by itself. When you put it like a trail mix, it. I don't know. It, it adds mix it a to good cut texture. the sugar. All right. No, peanuts. I'm giving you. I'm giving you. That's you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, now, what is the worst Halloween candy picks? Okay, the one that you said is the circus first peanuts. one. Circus peanuts. Circus peanuts. Yes. Okay. Circus peanuts. I mean, they're <laughs> what? Disgusting. What even are they? Ugh. They're insulation. Jam them around your your freaking air conditioner in the summer, and they work good. Others are those wax coke bottles okay oh, that's gross i don't get they that. are gross they like burned your throat when they they burned How there was something about it well it's liquid group a carcinogens is what it is <laughs> <clears throat> um neko wafers the war okay oh, yeah. i'm not gonna say the worst but they're the second yeah, worst they're candy. there mm-hmm. tootsie rolls now i like tootsie rolls yeah, I don't Tootsie rolls, especially yeah, they have I like, like other flavor ones too. I like yes. them. Yeah, it's like those cherry Tootsie rolls are the best. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. um, a saltwater taffy. It's not yeah. like I don't mm-hmm. know. Oh, I like it. And they're 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 um, I like Tootsie rolls. Yeah, we like Tootsie rolls. We say yay Tootsies. Um, and then the worst is my most hated is black licorice, which just oh, tastes yeah. like ass. Just... It's just tastes like ass. I don't even so, know who made that. It probably goes back in, you know, back to the 1800s. It's probably a medicine and somebody anyway. made it into a candy because that's what it yep. tastes like. It tastes like medicine. It does. It doesn't taste good at all. Um, I know that there are people that like it, but it has to be, it's got to be something like people that there are people, I love cilantro and some people hate it. Oh, so. it's that same people with that, those jeans. Yeah. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, maybe that's mm-hmm. something. I don't know. Now, I like red licorice. I don't, it's not my favorite, and but I will eat mm-hmm. it, but it's not my first, second, third, fourth, or fifth choice. What I you noticed I mean? about this list is that there's no chocolate on it because everyone. There's no chocolate, right? Chocolate's well, lovely. Well, this is the most hated candy, but yeah. we're going to get into the most loved candy. Okay. Okay. All right. So, circus peanuts, wax, Coke bottles, Necco wafers, Tootsie Rolls, and black licorice. Sock, mm-hmm. as well as candy corn, but. 
That's not, we won't say <laughs> it's this. It's not even on our right. list. <laughs> now, the most loved. <laughs> yes. Right? I'm okay. trying to shame you. <laughs> the most loved Halloween candy is, what do you think it is? Oh. I, I mean, obviously a chocolate. It has to be a chocolate. I don't know. Yep. Kit Kat bars? Oh, well, no. Those are those are on the list. The most loved Halloween candy is Reese's peanut butter. Oh cups. yes, of course. That's like mm-hmm. one of my favorites. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Especially the white chocolate peanut oh. butter cups. I'm like, ah. when those first came out, I'm not kidding you. I bought like an entire box of them from like Costco mm-hmm. and ate and got so sick. <laughs> I got so sick because I think I ate like six in one day and I'm like, you need to stop. (laughs) I did get sick, but okay. Now, um, other best Halloween candy picks. What do you think those are? Okay. So we covered recess. Um, what else is in there? There's Kit Kat bars and probably, um, just regular Hershey's chocolate, M&M's. I don't know. Twix? No, none of those. Yep, no? you got Twix. Okay. Yep. So Snickers. Okay. Snickers. Twix. Nerds, which I don't get. Nerds are like terrible little hard candies that'll crack a <laughs> crown. What? Oh, I hate those. They're gross. But whatever. Again, I'm not going to jam slam on people's. Um, Sour Patch Kids, which I do love. Oh, yeah. Those are good. I mean, they're obnoxious and mm-hmm. unnecessarily uncomfortable to eat, but they're so good. And then Skittles. I don't uh, I don't love Skittles, but, you know, they're not bad. So Snickers, Twix, Nerds, Sour Patch Kids, and Skittles. Oh, very good. I, yeah, I love, I love um, Reese's. Uh, so, because my, when I was little, my favorite movie was E.T. Yeah, You know how they have Reese's Pieces? And Reese's Pieces, Did you yes. know that they originally had asked M&M's? Like, that was supposed to be m but they didn't approve. Like, they didn't. They were like, nope. No. And they used Reese's Pieces instead. And I'm like, and I used Mm -hmm. to love Reese's. Like that advertising, um, that that marketing ploy totally worked on me. It totally worked. Four year old. That was my favorite candy. Yes. Yeah. Suck it, M&M's. In the movie theater, Mm -hmm. now that the movie theater is back up, every time I go to a movie, I always get the same treat. I'll get a bucket of popcorn. Okay, half filled so that I can then put butter and then the cheese, the white, white oh, cheddar white on it. Uh-huh. And then you dump in a half a box of Reese's Pieces. Uh-huh. And that is the best thing because at the bottom, once you get toward the bottom, the Reese's Pieces are all covered in the cheese. And <laughs> and it sounds gross, like, ew, but oh my God, it is the best. <laughs> Anybody, the next time you go to the movie, if you try that, please let us know. <laughs> That's so good. Peanuts to that. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. All right. Um, which city? See if you can guess. If you've heard this, which city banned anyone over fourteen from trick or treating? I don't know. City. I mean, right, a city. Who 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 would do that? In twenty nineteen, so it was recent. Mm-hmm. Chesapeake, Virginia. Chesapeake, Virginia, maybe like the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah, which that's a cool bridge. I've been over it and under it. Um, it became one of the latest cities to ban trick-or-treaters. So there are others out there that over a certain age. Anyone over 14 who goes door to door is subject to a class four misdemeanor and could be fined up to two hundred and fifty dollars. Boo! Chesapeake, boo. Wow. 
Yeah. Um, it, they did mention that this, this actually, this law has been in, in effect for many, many years, like a hundred years or something like that, because, mm-hmm. um, there, there were vandals. And so they're like, that's it. You know, no, no kids over the, it was, it was originally over the age of 12. Mm-hmm. They upped it to 14, but they did mention that Chesapeake has never, um, enforced that law. Okay. Which is good, but still take it off the books. Yeah. Don't be dicks. All right, and then the last fun Halloween fact is the top producing pumpkin states in the U.S. They are Illinois, California, Ohio, New York, Pennsylvania, and my home state of Michigan. Oh, fun. Yay, yep. So everybody's um, represented, (laughs) everybody on this podcast anyway, Um, and collectively – it, these states produced 1.31 billion pounds of pumpkins. Wow. I know that's a lot. That's a lot. The fact that people, you know, and I'm sure that many of those are probably for things like pumpkin pies. Sure. And, you know, pumpkin pie filling and, you know, additives and stuff like that. But that's a lot. A lot of pumpkins. It is. All right. All right. And then the last thing that I want to talk about today is Halloween safety. Um, Halloween night is one of the more deadly nights due to DUIs and pedestrian accidents. Mm. Um, According to the National Highway Safety Traffic Safety Administration, 43% of all Halloween fatalities between 2011 and 2013 involved a drunk driver. So when you take your kids out this year, um, please be cognizant and keep them safe and do all the things to keep the little guys and ladies safe because, um, you know, you want them to get home safely so that you can then go through their candy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you're going to go out and drink and do that stuff, get a fucking Uber. Like, you don't have thank an you. excuse. Uber, thank you. I'm- Lyft, don't be a dick. No, thank you. And I don't mean to put the um, responsibility on the um, on the shoulders of the parents. It should be, don't be a dick and drink and drive and, yeah. you know, do all that shit. Um, take away some kid's holiday. Yeah. Because you can't say no. Exactly. Or, or you yeah. can't fucking get an Uber. God damn it. Right. <laughs> get an Uber. Fuckers. Um... Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's all I have awesome. um, on the modernization of Halloween. Thank you. Um, it yeah, you're very welcome. It's a fun. It's a fun holiday. So uh, yeah, it's yeah, my favorite time of year. Yay! Yay! All right, all right, guys. Well, you can find us on all the socials under Esoterics Podcast, and be sure to join our Facebook community, the Esoterics Group and hear firsthand about our services, events, and courses, as well as get intuitive development tips, card pulls, free meditations, and a lot more. A lot more. Thank you so much for sharing space with us today. It was a fun conversation. Um, Stay mystical, magical, and ready to do it again. Next week, we are going to talk about my favorite topic, in the entire world, life between life. Um, We're going to talk about the process, how we choose our next life, what happens when we pass over, what we go through, and then um, what it's like to re-enter back into human form. So um, bye, everyone. Bye. Have a safe and fun Halloween. Yay. Bye-bye.